This is a special Uncommon Sense podcast for 3 FM with Amy Mullins. The interview you're about to hear is with Gabrielle Shipton. Gabriel is a film producer and the brother of WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange. He joined me to speak about the film he's produced called Ithaca, which follows Julian Assange's father, John Shipton, in his fight to free Julian. Julian Assange is currently being held in Belmarsh Prison in London. A court has formally approved the extradition of Julian to the United States on espionage charges. Julian's extradition is now ultimately a decision for UK Home Secretary Priti Patel. I am very pleased to welcome on to Uncommon Sense the wonderful Gabrielle Shipton, who is a film producer and also the brother of WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange. He has been the producer for this film, Ithaca, which follows his father and Julian's father, John Shipton, on his fight for Julian to free him from the prison that he's currently in and also from the charges which essentially the US government is seeking to prosecute Julian Assange for. We'll get into all the details of that in just a moment, but I uh, I want to welcome Gabriel now, who is joining us on the phone. Hi there, Gabriel, and thank you very much for joining us today. Hey there, thank you for having me on. It's great to have you on, and um, obviously John in this movie is the central figure of the film, but also... He's not the only one advocating. It's great that he's putting all of his energy and time into advocacy, but it was great to see you enter the fray in the film, going on a trip to New York with John, but also Julian's now wife. I know they've just gotten married. Stella, who has um, also been working closely with John as well over in London and and supporting Mm -hmm. Julian throughout the extradition hearings that we see during the film. So I wanted to start out with that discussion of advocacy in particular, given that it seems to have really driven out of the fact that, as John says, Julian can no longer speak for himself, so family and friends must now speak for him. From your perspective, how have you seen your role come about? Well, uh, I've, I've, you know, over the years, I sort of never uh, really got involved with, you know, Julian's work with WikiLeaks or anything like that. I did visit him uh, whenever I was over in the UK because, you know, he's been stuck there for 13 years now um, with his liberty, um, you know, taken away in one form or another. Three years he's been in the Belmarsh Maximum Security Prison but it was when he first moved into the prison that uh, he was being kept in the health wing of the prison, which the prison is actually called the hell wing. That's where they keep the most uh, suicidal, uh, you know, the terminally ill prisoners there. Uh, they keep them in their cells most of the day. Julian was being kept in his cell 23 hours a day. And it was at that time that I went to visit him with John, my dad, John Shipton, and uh, journalist and filmmaker John Pilger. And it was, I'd ne- I, that day in the prison, I'd never seen Julian in that sort of shape ever before, uh, you know, in all the time that I visited him. Um, uh, he was, you know, even at the worst times in the Ecuadorian embassy where he was having, you know, been surveilled and, and, and ha- having his, you know, visiting rights curtailed as well as his internet taken away in the embassy, he was never... I never seen him like that before, and I left the prison that day thinking that 
you know, I might not see him again. And, and that sort of prompted me to, you know, act and begin advocating for Julian. And that's when we sort of started thinking about, you know, how can we use, how can I use my skills as a filmmaker um, to tell a different side to this story? So really that's what launched me on my, um, you know, my sort of advocacy journey is my personal relationship uh, and with my family, really, but it's um, taken on so much more than that now. Uh, there's, it's, it's such a global fight uh, that Julian is at the centre of for people's right to know, for press freedoms. And, you know, the, even though I joined this fight as a personal connection to Julian, you know, what we are fighting for really is everyone's rights, you know, everyone's right to know. And it's not just about Julian, but Julian has been made an example of. And, you know, as we, as I sort of began advocating more and more, that's, that's how we, you know, that's the fight we're involved in. It's not just about freeing our, our loved one, but it's, um, you know, fighting for everyone's rights. Yeah, it's that really great point about it being not just about the individual, although clearly it is, but also this broader signal that the authorities are trying to send to others that, you know, don't mess with us, don't embarrass us, don't, you know, leak our information. And we see in this film Julian at the Ecuadorian embassy, and I was really taken aback by some of the surveillance measures that were put in place as the film outlines um, they talk about how the intelligence agencies from the US had essentially taken over the security detail team and, and managed to insert cameras or bugs so that every kind of conversation that Julian was having at certain points in his time there were being recorded and then sent back to the US. I mean, these are things that I wasn't aware of and that don't seem to be part of a public discussion. No, exactly. And then, you know, this sort of activity that's, uh, you know, Julian's meetings with his lawyers have been surveilled, uh, his meetings with his psychiatrists, all surveilled within the embassy. There were actually plots to uh, kidnap Julian from the embassy uh, that came out of, that came, that went all the way to the White House. And, and these are, these are, all this is confirmed by whistleblowers who worked for the security company that was supposed to be protecting Julian in the embassy, but ended up being you know, they they ended up being assets of the CIA. There's whistleblowers who have confirmed all this in uh, Spanish courts, as well as uh, reporting done by Yahoo News. Uh, there was a 6,000-word article that came out last September that uh, had over 30 sources from within the intelligence community, both former and current intelligence community sources, confirming that there were these plots that existed to kidnap Julian. There was even a plot to poison Julian and, and this spying that was ongoing um, this whole time. And that, that would be, in a, in a sort of, you know, what we would assume would be a normal circumstance, that would be enough to, you know, end any legal proceeding. Um, you know, there's no sort of... Julian has no chance of having a fair hearing if, if his defence is being spied on by the people who are trying to prosecute him. And there was examples of that in the past. I think that's, you know, Daniel Ellsberg, who's a famous Pentagon Papers uh, leaker that led to the end of the uh, Vietnam War. He had his his psychiatrist was being spied on by the Nixon administration, which led to his case being thrown out. So there's a similar precedent of people being charged under the Espionage Act who have had, you know, their secret meetings with their lawyers and psychiatrists spied on, um, but that sort of voids the prosecution. So... 
you'd imagine the same thing would happen to Julian, uh, that, that this prosecution would have to be dropped, but it's not. And I think it's, you know, it's just another one of these... You know, Julian's persecution is like another revelation, like another WikiLeaks revelation. You know, you, you see all this corruption happening at every stage of, of the process. And it's through through the efforts that the forces that Julian exposed, you can really see the importance of WikiLeaks's work. You know, it really raises the level of the work to see the effort that, that the people who he exposed will go to to persecute him. Yeah. Well, to remind those listening, Julian Assange launched the website wikileaks.org in 2006. And that was really special because it was essentially technology which was being used to protect journalists and whistleblowers with an anonymous Dropbox that they could upload documents and files and be confident that they could maintain an anonymous situation and not reveal their individual identity. And then we did see, you know, some major publications and information drops. For example, in July 2010, the film outlines the Iraq and Afghan war logs, which was a trove of 90,000 incident and intelligence reports. You show the footage in the film of the US Apache helicopter crew in Iraq mm -hmm. firing on male civilians and Reuters journalists, which, as the film states, was evidence of war crimes that were potentially committed over there. There were so many major information drops that were done, but then not only were they dropped, WikiLeaks was working in partnership with The Guardian, The New York Times and Der Spiegel. Funnily enough, though, as the film points out, these publications are not being prosecuted, only Julian Assange is. So mm -hmm. I wanted to, to address that glaring, stark contrast and examine the actual charges that have been brought against Julian under the Espionage Act. And I wonder if you could just explain to those listening the significance of these espionage charges against Julian and what they've meant or what they may mean for journalism. Yes, well, it's the first time a publisher's ever been, you know, a publisher or a journalist has ever been charged under the Espionage Act. Usually it's for leakers. Um, so, you know, you've got examples like uh, the one I used before, Daniel Ellsberg, the famous leaker, or you know Edward Snowden, people who were who who were leaking from inside these large, um, you know, from inside the military or or from inside the intelligence community. Usually, the the Espionage Act is uh, reserved for them, but this uh, but this is a sort of new use of the Espionage Act to silence a publisher and a and a journalist. And what it means, you know, I, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned that none of those other publications, uh, you know, have been charged. But what we've seen is since this prosecution began, there's basically been no more leaks. You know, there's no more leaks uh, coming from the intelligence community, coming from uh, the US military uh, of, of, the, of the same type that Julian published or, say, Edward Snowden or, say, Daniel Hale, who was a drone whistleblower. So I think... What is essentially happening is all these organisations are looking at this prosecution of Julian Assange and they're seeing, OK, if we take a leak and we publish it, this could happen to us. And so it's having this sort of chilling effect uh, already, uh, you know, across the globe on journalism, on investigative journalism, particularly journalism, uh, you know, around the military-industrial complex. So you've seen in America the executive editors of the New York Times and Washington Post have come out, uh, made statements about how this affects press freedoms 
you know, this case uh, is a like a, you know, the damages it does to press freedoms in the USA. You've seen 25 of the largest uh, human rights and press freedom organisations in the US, you know, Human Rights Watch, ACLU, uh, Amnesty International, all calling for this uh, prosecution to be dropped because of what it means to press freedoms. Yeah, and one of the other great points that is made in the film is that in 2010, the Obama administration investigated the impact of the publications for which Julian is being prosecuted And in 2013, the head of that investigation testified there's no evidence of a single person being harmed by the publications and essentially that the careful redactions that were made clearly did have the the right and honourable effect, which was to only expose those who, you know, needed to be and to protect the identities and private information of people who had the potential to be harmed by the leaking of the information. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's precisely the opposite of this, you know, there's this common allegation that people were harmed. Mm. These leaks and the publication of these leaks has had the opposite effect. You know, it's uh, led to the end of the Iraq war. There was um, a cable that came out that the Iraqi government saw about a group of American soldiers who uh, murdered a family and then called in an airstrike to cover up their crimes. And the Iraqi government... Uh, refused to grant immunity to American forces based on that cable. So that led to the end, basically the end of the Iraq war. You know, there was some forces left there, but they no longer had immunity. And so the majority of the forces, uh, the foreign forces were pulled out. So it's precisely the opposite effect. These, These releases have saved countless lives across the world. Yeah. And one of the things that was striking to me in this film was the commentary provided by Niels Meltzer. And he has a a kind of special or had a special role. I think he's just left his role at the UN as Mm -hmm. special rapporteur on torture. And um, he describes his initial response when he saw the email from Julian Assange's legal team seeking his review or input. And he talks of his prejudice, his kind of instant bias or response, which was, oh, no, that's not relevant to me. No, I won't do this. I wonder, could you address that bias and prejudice, which Niels recognised and said that he also saw in so many others relating to Julian and the fact that because they haven't had contact with Julian, there's been this distancing effect and abstracting effect from you know him as a human being and the way that he has suffered. And um, obviously, in this case, the types of mental anguish and torture that he's been experiencing. Yeah, so I guess you know another comment of Niels's, uh, Niels Meltzer's is that you know Julian shone the spotlight on the power on you know on the powerful right and, and exposed their crimes. Uh, expose their corruption. So what Niels Meltzer says is they turned the spotlight on him, and so the, the powerful made it all about Julian. You know, um, you know, this constant, you know, years and years of mobbing of, uh, of um, you know, negative headlines about Julian and all this sort of stuff. But really, you know, it should be about what uh, he exposed and what he published. But you know, Niels Meltzer's reporting, he found that. Uh, Julian was, um, you know, suffering psychological torture. He took two doctors into the prison, two independent doctors into the prison with with him uh, to assess Julian. And Nils uh, Nils Melzer, he assesses people all over the world. You know, usually, usually, um, 
in countries that have authoritarian regimes. So it's not the place that he would usually expect to find evidence of torture, but he did. And he assessed, they assessed Julian and they found that, um, you know, he was suffering the effects of psychological torture. Yeah. And he, he really points out that interesting thing, which says that the nature of psychological torture or its purpose is that those who are perpetrating it want to torture people without leaving a trace. But as he said, it leaves a trace in the mind and that's how they were able to assess Julian and his situation. It's interesting in this film because John, your father, he doesn't seem to be a person to want spotlight in general or at least to court spotlight. And he has—he seems like a very philosophical person as well, someone who thinks very deeply about life and, and human nature. So I wonder what it was like for him and how you perceived the making of the film, given that he was the central character, I guess, and the vehicle through which this issue was really brought to light. And I, I wondered whether you might want to comment on how difficult that might be for him, you know, as a father, but also clearly he's been out giving endless interviews. I'm sure he probably has lost count of how many he's done as we see in the film. You know, it's just one after the other. It must take its toll on someone like John who doesn't seem to be, you know, a person that was out there like an extrovert feeling like it's their natural thing to do. Yeah, I think that comes across, you know, really well in the in the film as well. There, there's a tension, you know, there's a sort of tension between John and, and the director, Ben Lawrence, and, and we explore that. Uh, ben really, um, Ben Lawrence and our editor, Karen Johnson, did a really uh, great job of exploring that tension, uh, not just uh, with people that John has been interviewed by, but also his sort of reluctance to, to be part of the documentary as well. So uh, I think John also says in the film that you do something and then you receive energy back. So if 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 John was moving forward and doing all these interviews and and not making a difference, then it would be much harder to continue. But what we've seen over the last three to four years is this sort of blooming of support for Julian across the world. You know, in Australia, John went to Canberra. And the first people he met with there were Peter Wish Wilson, Green Senator, and Andrew Wilkie, an MP uh, from Tasmania. And they began setting up the Friends of Julian Assange parliamentary group. You know, and at the time it was just two people. Now it's over 30 people, including the Deputy Prime Minister Barnaby Joyce. You know, there's people, there's uh, Liberal members, there's members from Labor, there's members from the Greens, Independents. So. You know, if if John's work didn't see any results, then uh, it would be much harder for him to continue. But what we what we see is this, you know, global uh, outpouring of support for Julian. People who understand uh, what's happening to Julian is, you know, not just about Julian. It's about their democratic rights. You know, there's support groups uh, in the UK Parliament, cross-party groups in the UK Parliament, over 20 members. German Parliament, they've got a cross-party group that has members of the government in it. You know, it's all over the world. There's, there's, you know, I think a, a third of the Greek parliament support Julian being released. So this has all sort of, you know, come about in, in the last three or so years. So I think uh, the sort of the energy that comes back really keeps uh, John going and also keeps Julian going in prison yeah. uh, because 
that's his only connection really with the outside world is uh, hearing about these sort of things that are happening and 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 you know that there is support there and and you know that sort of gives you the the strength to keep to keep going yeah and i know you provided a petition to independent mp andrew wilkie last week for world press freedom day so there's definitely support here in australia even if it's not australian governmental support uh, in the way that one would expect but i wonder if people are listening and they want to show their support what do you think would be the best way that they could do that well there's a few uh, there's a few ways i mean we're in an election at the moment candidates are you know they're out on the streets you know talking to people they're having candidate forums i think you know it's so easy just if you see a candidate just hit them up say you know what are you going to do about julian assange you know let them know that you care you know what happens to julian and that you want to you want to bring him home uh, you can visit our website ithaca.movie that's i t h a k a .movie and we have a take action uh, page there which has a a form to you know email your your political candidates so those are two really simple things you could do you can host a screening of ithaca as well uh, we have um all that's on the website as well. So there's a you know a couple of really easy things as well as screening hosting. So uh, it should you know people need to speak up, you know, and if everybody does one thing, then Julian can come home. Mm. Well, we've run out of time, Gabriel, but I really hope people can check out the film. They can do that at the Pivotonian and Cinema Nova. I just looked up just recently, and it will also be shown on ABC and will be available to stream on ABC iView in two episodes on the same day as well. So that's another great way. But don't wait. Go out into the cinema and check it out now. And thank you so much, Gabriel, for being a great advocate for your brother, as well as um, send my best to John, who is also doing such a, a brilliant job. Thank you. Thanks for having me. A pleasure. I've just been speaking with Gabriel Shipton, who is film producer and brother of Julian Assange, and we were talking about his film Ithaca. As mentioned at the end of this interview, the film Ithaca will air on ABC TV on Tuesday the 7th of June at 8.30pm. It will also be available to stream on ABC iView the same day. It is also now screening in cinemas around Melbourne and Australia.